You're listening to Netcare Pulse. Keeping up to date on all things critical. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Netcare Pulse. I'm Yveka Rangapa, and my very special guest today is Professor Carol Ann Ben, who heads up the Netcare Millpark Breast Care Center of Excellence. Hi, Prof. Hi. Just call me Carol, Prof. Carol. We got to not stand on any pedestals when we talk about health, and particularly with patients. I like that. Uh, I think that they need to realize they're the most important people, not the mm-hmm. doctors. And we need to demystify and explain things so that people understand, which is why it's great to be here with you. Okay, Carol. Good. That's my new BFF, Carol. Okay, Carol, I want to talk about you first. I know it's not about you, but more for people to understand that this is your passion. You are, I'm going to put it in a medical icon in terms of what you do and your passion when it comes to breast cancer because I have a lot of friends who have been your patients and I know your way of working with them and the time you make for them. So let's talk a little bit about you. Even if you don't like talking about you, I'm going to make you do that. Your passion for breast cancer, you started the center here in 2001 and look where it's gotten you, which we're going to talk about in a moment. But tell me about why your passion for breast cancer and what led to the start of the center all those years ago? So I was a non-rotating registrar. My partner was a black registrar at Krasani Barra, so I didn't see any breast cancer. And as a result of it, I approached a guy by the name of Myron Langer, an old Jewish guy, and he taught me about breast, and I needed it for my exams. And I said, if you have a favor, you need anything, let me know. He fell down the stairs at Joburg Jane. I went to Joburg Jane. I saw this clinic, reams of women, cutting off their breasts, doctors sitting, talking on the newspaper while they were telling someone to go for surgery. It was worse than all the trauma I'd seen at Barra. Mm, mm. So I then approached the HOD. He told me, oh, you don't see breast cancer in the black population. Well, who knew? Mm. I went out into the townships with my first patient, Louisa, who's still alive and well, almost 30 plus years later. And we literally went and here, come forward, come forward. And within six months, we had 150 people at the clinics. I then had private patients coming to see me. So I approached Nick Care and I said, listen, we need this. I went and got some training overseas on reconstruction because they were really treating women like if you survive, then have this, not as the fact that it's your body and you have a right mm, to mm, options. Mm. So that's really, it started as in that way and very much as a people and patient centered unit. It's grown over the years. I, I now responsible. We have 35 specialists in the unit. We have international accreditation. So the concept really is about making people safe. When I first started setting up MDM, which now there are a dime a dozen around Joburg, I got said, Oh, she's too anxious to treat people on herself. And you know what I said? Absolutely. You know, the more brains, the more decision-making yep. process, the better for patients. So it's now reached a phase where it's probably one of the top accredited units in the world, um, thanks to the team. And when we had our recent accreditation, the guys were thrilled. And I also i am passionate about people who don't have access to care. Yeah. I now have a massive unit in private where I treat government patients yeah. at no charge. Yeah. And that's, wow. that's the good thing because oh. no one asks to have a cancer diagnosis or to be ill. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And okay. it's amazing work and I think yeah. so fulfilling when yeah. you know you're doing something yeah. with a purpose yeah. and you are changing someone's life, even if sometimes they don't make it. The fact that you made that journey a little easier, I think, makes all the difference as well. 
Absolutely. And if you pick up things early today, if you screen, 95% of ladies with breast cancer are alive and well down the line. So it's, it's actually, it's more dangerous living in Johannesburg, scary thought, or yeah. getting in the car and driving. Mm. So let's let's talk about that accreditation because yeah. it's a big thing. Don't yeah. downplay it, okay? Yeah. Now, you've been recognized by the American College of Surgeons National Accreditation Program. This makes you, what, one of three in the world outside of the U.S.? Tell us what that means because I'm. this sounds big for me. It's, how significant is this? It is very significant and super proud because they've looked at how we do things and they've said, actually, they can utilize some of what we do. You know, we're always so apologetic being in Africa and mm. we always mm, don't feel good enough. I know. Mm. And when people come out and go, spectacular, um, what you do, we can use back in the US, then it makes you super proud. Wow. And to get full accreditation. So not like any bumps or hiccups along the way is really, really spectacular news. Look, I have to say thanks to Dom, who I think you've were in contact with. He's the head of IT and Amazing. So we are doing things from an IT and a tele point of view that the rest of the world is not doing. Regionalizing, virtual, and that is so important. I think he's in the US in two weeks' time where he's giving presentations on what we do, which is great. Well, what did it take for you to get here from 2001 when you started? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I walked into this place. I thought I was walking to salon yeah. or a spa and yeah. I couldn't imagine. Like, I, I mean, I can only imagine what it is like for somebody who is yeah. on that journey, on that yeah. journey to finding out treatment, recovery, yeah. to walk into a place like this. It's not clinical at all. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's welcoming. It's warm. Yeah. What did it take for you to actually get from 2001 when you started to this recognition, this accreditation? Lots of pushing, mm. lots of fighting systems. Sometimes there's medical jealousies along the way, you know, oh, we don't want this. People don't like to be reviewed. So I'd have radiologists go, well, we won't send you work because you're reviewing our work. A multidisciplinary environment and accreditation is about everyone being reviewed. Yeah. Myself, everyone. It protects patients because I've never found one person building a bridge or one person running a business or one person being able to do an interview like this. It's mm. a team. Mm. So when you've got many people on board, it's you're dealing with someone's body. Each person is an individual, individual aspects about their health care and themselves from a physical, psychological, every aspect, point of view. And each cancer is an individual. We spoke a little bit earlier about biomes and yes. talk about it's that yin-yang interaction between the cancer and someone's body. And you need to be so careful that you have all the information that you're hearing and listening. Yeah. So I don't like hospital environments. I think they're like a headmaster's office. The clinical part You of always it, yeah. feel like, what am I doing? And, and I always say to patients, don't make a decision in a doctor's room. Listen here. We have access to cells and emails. Think about it. And then go make the decision. It's not Little Shop of Horrors. It's not running around your body in 24 hours. No, you shouldn't rush into surgery. Here am I sitting in my scrubs telling you mm. the world is progressing. We're de-escalating oncology treatment. You shouldn't be rushing in and chopping off both breasts. Yeah. Less is more. You can never go wrong with less is more. Careful and cautious and safe. Because you've got a patient there that you have a responsibility to to protect. And it's not just the patient, Prof. Yeah. I mean, you're dealing with a patient. Oh, sometimes family. often they come with families, they Absolutely. come with kids. And it's 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 a holistic thing. 100%. It's not just about the person because what, what that person, 
walks out of here feeling like is going to impact however many other people around them. 100%. Work, family, environment, partners. I, I, I watch someone. I have couches in the rooms, as you'll see. And I often mm. watch and see where someone sits and where the person they bring with them sits. So when I see a partner sitting pull opposite on the other side of the couch, then I realize mm. the other aspects that mm. we need to deal with, not just around the cancer diagnosis. Yeah. I mean, it's not a nice thing to talk about, but there have been many relationships that end when Absolutely. someone is diagnosed. There are families that fall apart 100%. when someone is diagnosed. Not everybody is there, supportive. I'm here 100%. for you. This, that it doesn't. It doesn't happen 100%. for everyone. And if there are cracks, then you need to know they can crack bigger. It's like a little bit of like a windscreen. So you, you need to be upfront and aware and offer services that support people in an individual way through their journey. Absolutely, absolutely. And a place like this, that sounds, I can just see it happening. I yeah. can see how you how you would bring that together or you have to deal with the psychology of it all as well. Yeah. And just to talk about the actual screening and let's go, yeah. let's go to the medical part of it. Right. You know, we don't prioritize it. We really okay. don't. Life is busy. And I know it's it's a cliche to say that, but we yeah. don't. I'm ashamed to say to you, I haven't had a mammogram up until now, and I'm I'm going to be 49 this year. Well, so, you don't even look 35, so I would well, have thanks. had you. Uh, I wouldn't even had you on a screening program. So we only screen yeah. from 50 now because screening is about health okay, economics. Okay, another year. Thank there goodness. There we go. Okay. okay. Right. I think the thing is to know our norm. Check our breasts. Stand in front or of the mirror. get your partner to check your oh, breasts. That's all makes everything oh, fun. Yeah. 50% of lumps are found by someone's significant other. Did you know? Okay. Well, okay. now I have to go find someone. Okay, there okay. we go. Okay, I'm sure they'll <laughs> all line up. Okay. So I think the thing is, what you want to do is know your norm. So stand in front of the mirror, flip up your bra, give them a wiggle and a shake. And gravity hates women more than men. Even if they're down by your knees. Uh, I tell yes. you, yeah. gravity hates women. Food hates women uh, more than men. Uh, it's just a sad part of life. But in any case, lift up the bra, give them a shake, check that when you lift your arms that nothing retracts or pulls your nipple in. And we make a mistake of feeding our breasts too hard. They're like gentle, gentle little jiggle and a feel. Yeah. And when you feel for glands, feel gently under your arms. Okay, I always say to guys, they're not radio control knobs. Yeah. You don't need <laughs> you don't need to squeeze the nipple. Okay. The nipple is a glorified plug. Yeah. Breasts are for blondes. Yeah. They uh, are okay. really she says that simple, as a blonde. Yes. simple organs. It's a, basically an accessory sweat gland sitting on the outside and a, a fascinating endocrine organ, but it has no negative feedback. So don't squeeze your nipple. Check your breast. And if you're worried, don't be scared to come in. Because if you're young, under 35, we can do an ultrasound and understand the costs beforehand. We diagnose problems with a needle biopsy. Mm, and if mm. they're not a cancer, sometimes they don't even need a needle biopsy, but a short-term follow-up sonar. Yeah. Because medical costs can be prohibitive. And we yeah. I always say to people, take a step back. When someone contacts in with me and says, oh, they want 14,000 rand for a needle biopsy, then it drives bad medicine because then you find a friendly surgeon who say, I'll cut it out for less, which is wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong. Mm -hmm. So bad seems to, which is why accreditation is so important because you need systems in place to protect people. So you have to have navigators. We have an amazing team of navigators who fight for the rights of the patient. Absolutely. Where are they going to get their ultrasound-guided needle biopsy? Where is it going to be cost-effective? How are we going to do it so that we can then tell them a diagnosis, register, and work out 
what is in the oncology basket to come up with a breast treatment plan. And, yeah. and that makes sense because I think often the thought of the cost of all of this is what yeah. stops people Absolutely. and fear. Absolutely. Fear of, of finding, Absolutely. finding it. Yeah. So I've got a family who quite likes words and everything. So one of my worst words is ignorant. I don't think anyone's ignorant. Yeah. You know, you can have different levels of knowledge and understanding about things. But when people say someone didn't come in because they were ignorant, they're not ignorant. They're either fearful of the system, hostile hospital environment, fearful of the diagnosis, they're fearful of the treatment that's going to be Or that their breasts are going to get cut off. Absolutely. So so by saying to people, take responsibility, and yes, it's normal to be fearful. I think most of us who live here understand fear every day. Okay. But but it's about how you mentally work with it and how you find your right team. I call I call it ghost busting. Yeah. Your team with you to guide you in the right direction to the right person so that we can slowly process. And interesting, Dom presented in Korea in August last year, and the person who gets the best presentation goes, and he scored 26 in a world out of 1,500. So he went, I was a bit acid, I wanted to see Korea. Mm. And uh, (laughs) I had put together something on before, during, and after COVID, looking at age, stage, and biology. We saw no difference in who presented, how old they were, and what was the biology of the cancer. And you would think you would have seen more during and after. Yeah, yeah. You didn't. It's because so few people in this country screen. Yeah. Even if they've got access and to funding. And you find that point. They didn't, and those who were sick got sicker, did they not yeah, but afterwards? nobody yeah. screens. Less than 25% of people go for their routine mammograms. But what's interesting, out of the US and the UK, people who were diagnosed and couldn't access treatment in lockdown didn't have worse outcomes. So we make a mistake in thinking cancer is going to run around your body in 24 hours or 36 Mm -hmm. hours. Mm -hmm. Those studies show us that most breast cancers are actually slow growing. So you have time to process and go through your options. You have time to go for second opinions and make sure that you don't do something that you regret down the line. In terms of that, and when we talk about misconceptions right. and, and fears, right. I want to talk about the cultural aspect of this. Yes. It, it's, it's sometimes a very uncomfortable thing yeah. if we talk about, if we go like African, Indian, colored, white, yeah. whatever it is, and then, you know, yeah. what have you seen in terms of so, what cultural hang-ups are? So we, we've, I've actually pu- published on that. So we've got yeah. a couple of really nice publications. We color code our files here, read, uh, we're concerned about something, yellow, green, compliant. So we use all sorts of colors Mm. to work out who has what and how they are managing from a cultural point of view. So like I said, I have an amazing team of navigators who cross all cultural barriers. And it's not as simple as race. It can be around religion. It can be around other other belief structures. It can be around age. You know, I'm too old to have this or I'm too young or so it's such an important concept because we're not just a physical being and taking into account those issues. So what do we see? We see a large number of people saying, I want to go not so much for traditional medicine. We do quite a lot of nice work with traditional medical people, but people who would prefer this concept of complementary oncology. I want to take vitamins and therefore not do ABC because sometimes medicine and what we do is so unattractive. Mm. You're going to give me chemo? I don't want chemo. Mm. I'd rather have vitamins. Mm. Okay. Some of our most 
really spectacular chemotherapeutic agents are derived from natural substances. Yeah, absolutely. Flowers yeah, we're going back and to it a lot, aren't tree we? barks yes. and all sorts of things. Yes. And not everything's about chemo. We have targets. We have personalized ways of managing things. So it's about having that conversation. So doctors are at fault if they don't engage in that. So if you say, oh, my way or the highway, mm. then patients often take the highway and then they crash and then they have to come back into a system. Or if you don't negotiate out with your doctor, I'm on A, B, and C. Can I? Should I? How can we help? I'm scared of the treatment we're going to have. How can you help? Mm. Cold caps to make sure you don't lose your hair. We have, as you saw, the whole spa facility Mm. downstairs, microblading, all ways to make sure you can go through treatment, not looking where everyone's going to go, oh, She's, She's got cancer. cancer. Yeah. Okay. Can I have a little treatment before I leave downstairs? So can I have a little facial or something? Okay. Absolutely. Before we do my first mammogram, but we will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll do it. You can treat me to one of those. Yeah. Um, very interesting in, in terms of the cultural aspect. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I don't know how many women in rural areas are going for checks, how many of them uh, have they obviously don't have they have very little access to it. So I and, have a clinic and the traditional medicine aspect of it, where I they might like to go to that. Absolutely yeah. love. I go up once every two months to Little Tinswala Hospital, and I have a little clinic up there. And the ladies walk kilometers and kilometers and kilometers to go there. I had this little old lady who came to see me in August. Why are you here? I'm going for traditional medicine. So I said, Well, yeah. why have you come to see me? Mm. Because Maybe. I said, how about we all work together? So we put her on a simple uh, cancer tablet. When I saw her in October, first week in November, she was flashing her breast, <laughs> everybody. So I said, go back into the community and tell that we can all work together. I'm going to see her now. Without flashing your breast to the whole community. Well, okay. if she does, so that they know that it's all getting smaller, I'm okay with that. Okay. So I'll see her now end of Feb. And that for me makes Lovely. it. So we have to... Make sure that people in, in areas where they don't have access have access to care. And that's where your podcast is so important. Yeah. Because the concept of media and podcasts and virtual means that we reach more people. Yes. They are email and addresses people can contact into. So I'm very much into regionalizing access to care. Yeah. So it's not that we have to treat everybody here in this fabulous building, but it means that if you contact in, we can advise you and work with doctors in your community to make sure that you're safe. Absolutely. And that's yeah. wonderful. And I love yeah. that you're doing that work. And I love that in those areas, yeah. women are aware yeah. and they are coming. They are coming to have Lovely. those checks. Whatever yeah. makes them come, they're yeah. coming. Uh, in terms of misconceptions as well, there's often the message you hear, you know, is there a history of breast cancer oh, and that. the genetics and all of that. that. Can we just talk about that and, and, and talk about does it apply? Doesn't okay. it apply anymore? Lifestyles are changing. Stresses are growing every single so day. So I love that you say that. So I, I wrote an article called Why Me? So really 65% of people who get breast cancer have no risk factors whatsoever. About 25 to 30% have risk factors on mom and dad's side of a whole multitude of cancers. And that's a bit like trying to choose a lock and open it. So you know when you travel and you quickly get on a plane mm-hmm. and you have this is your combination. So in my house it'll be my birthday because if I grab a lock, I don't want to sit on the other side of the world and not be able to open yeah. a, a bag. So that's a bit like your genetic coding. So it's very hard for us to actually get it right. Only 8 to 12% of people have single isolated gene abnormalities. And in those, not 100% of them get cancer. Why? Because there are other environmental factors that play 
a role, not just your genetics, okay? So we spoke a little bit about earlier. Every time a cell undergoes division, it has a little abnormalities on its DNA, and that cell autocorrects. If it has four or five, the environment around the cell, think like hyena cells yeah. are supposed to eat it, mm-hmm. and if they can't or they're not communicating so well, that grows its own little cancer plant. And you mentioned stress earlier, so I'm going to be like really blonde about this explanation. It's a simple one. So imagine I run up and jump behind you and go boo, and you get a big fright, and you do that, and your adrenaline goes, and then after five minutes you feel shattered and exhausted. Yeah. If the same thing is happening at a cell level, I don't think our cellular recovery is so good. You know, you work really hard, you yeah. go on holiday, you get yeah. a cold. Yeah. It's like look what happened in COVID. The the virus is out there. Everyone is exposed. Some people went all the way through, never had a positive yeah. test, never got sick. Some people a little sick, very sick. And some you expected to die didn't, and others you didn't expect to die died. Yeah, because it's your immune microenvironment's ability to kill things. Okay, so I think this is the future in understanding immune oncology and what's happening at a cell level. So we're going to get better and better at switching off cells. So no one today should go through a cancer treatment just a medical cancer treatment. They should have all those other factors around. And we've been doing this for a while. And interestingly enough, it's going to be on the next accreditation guidelines. So we are ahead of the game in realizing about the wholeness of a person. When I was reading up on your work in the accreditation, teenagers came up. Yes. And again, another misconception. We think this always happens to older yeah. women and men. Yeah. Men have yeah. breast cancer as well. Absolutely. We have those. Let's not leave, leave the men out. You spoke about teenagers. Tell me what you found out there. So um, I've actually seen one of the youngest people in the world with breast cancer, a 9 or 10-year-old. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a specific type of breast cancer. She's still fine. They're just locally aggressive. I've had 17, 18-year-olds with breast cancer. 21-year-olds, 23-year-olds, 25-year-olds. It's not common. So I don't want teenagers and young people to say, oh, I think I've got a breast cancer. No, I must have a mammogram. The issue yeah. is if you find something, and in young people we just need to do an ultrasound. So we need to take away fear. That's why I love the work you guys do because what you got to do is you got to demystify. Mm. You've got to make sure that access is not hostile. And you've got to make sure that people have time because then people will come forward. And yeah. I've got a teenage daughter. Yeah. Uh, feel, yes, you can feel sorry for me. Uh, <laughs> I've got a teenage son. Well, <laughs> and, 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 okay. and, and almost teenage son as well. Yeah. I'm just curious, yeah. now that you've mentioned it, how did a 9 or 10-year-old realize that Cause she, she had cause breast cancer? Uh, Menoki, her little breast development, and she actually also was on a, well, it wasn't on a medical aid. I think we actually filmed it here, and she suddenly developed a rapidly growing lump. Incredibly rare. I'm telling mm. you, like... Like canary ray. So don't let nine to 10 year olds think that they've got a problem. When you get breast bud development, I see a lot of youngsters, it's often asymmetrical, one more than other and painful. That is okay. As youngsters, you always need a safe space. If not your mom or your dad, you need an adult or someone. Okay. Not a creepy. Okay. Not a creepy. Okay. Yeah. Not that uncle. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. That you can talk to 
about a concern if you're worried because often what happens is everyone thinks Google is your friend. Yeah. So you Google things and you get really scared and then you don't do anything about it. For all of us, it's like our Google feed listens to us. Mine is obsessed with my abdominal fat roll. I should never have mentioned it because <laughs> now I've got a hundred ways to get rid of it. It's like, ah, oh, okay. So I think the thing is we must just be aware of that. Okay. So to yeah. have a mentorship and people to talk to is important. Okay. okay. And just to wrap up for us, Prof, let's just do the basic. I right. mean, we wouldn't be doing our duty if we didn't right. do the basics. Right. Let's just talk about what you need to do, okay. from what age, okay. what are the checks you need to do, when do you start? And let's okay. include men in this as well. Right. As okay. rare as the as, you know, so, breast cancer is in men, we've heard we don't yeah. hear too many, but let's include them in this so as well. So we have the highest incidence of male breast cancer in the world. It sits at 3%. Wow. So basically, we both have breasts, men and women. When you start developing them, you check them. Flatter the hand, check your glands. You know your norm, you check every month. If something does feel not right, different, pain, you need to access a healthcare provider, not someone who's going to rush you into surgery. Okay. If there is a concern in people that we get older, what we want to know is that you do a needle biopsy to make a diagnosis. Beware of unusuals. Changes on the nipple, not on the areola, that's often eczema, but mm. on the nipple, pagets. Glands where you can't feel something in the breast, make sure you seek healthcare. Big red hot breast, understand that the highest, the commonest type of cancer in pregnant women, breast cancer. Don't let it be missed. In pregnant women. Pregnant women and breastfeeding. And everyone goes, oh, it's just normal. If you're concerned, you get an ultrasound. Over 50, a mammogram, an ultrasound. Take time. You do not need to rush into surgery chemotherapy, radiation, or anything. You want a robust, multidisciplinary discussion, preferably in an accredited unit, so that protects you. So it's not a tea party. All three of us sit together and all agree about the same patient on an MDM is not the right thing to do because I'm sending you work, you're sending me work, not Mm -hmm. the right thing. Mm -hmm. You want independence to protect patients, okay? Then you take your time. No, you don't have to take your breasts off. We've got de-escalation of care, and we go one step at a time to make you have a safe journey, you as a whole. I see what makes you so phenomenal and so inspirational, which is why I'm going to let you fill me up now. Absolutely. And then I'm going to have a facial not on camera, before I go. 100%. No, not on camera. Thank you so much for your time. Okay. Thank you for the wonderful Pleasure. work that you do. Take care now. Okay. That was NetCare Pulse. Keeping up to date on all things critical. Subscribe now.